Welcome to the Alts Podcast. This is not another podcast about the stock market. Instead, we focus on the rapidly evolving world of Alts. The goal of this podcast is to provide original research and insights that empowers you to become a better alternative investor. With each episode, we hope to bring you along with us as we learn together. Thanks for joining. Now let's dive in. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the hosts and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. Hi, I'm Horatio Ruiz, host of the Alts Podcast. On today's episode, you'll hear from Evan Vandenberg, co-founder and CEO of Dibs, the only 24-7 platform for buying and selling fractional shares of sports cards. Justin talks about why using blockchain technology in the sports card industry makes sense, the advantages of buying and selling on Dibs, and his general thoughts on the sports card industry. He'll also share some insights on bringing in Amazon, yes, Amazon, as an investor. And you'll also hear us talk about F1. And for our international listeners, why is it so popular? Let's go. All right. Happy to have Evan Vandenberg here with us. He's the CEO and co-founder of Dibs. Some big, big news has just come out uh, about a week ago with Dibs and looking forward to the chat with Evan. Thank you for being here. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Evan, my, for those listeners that aren't very kind of familiar or, or you know, are, are still kind of exploring the different card marketplaces, could you describe kind of what Dibs is and how you kind of set it up that maybe is different from the other marketplaces? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, and you know, cards is, is obviously what we've uh, kind of been known for up to date. But you know, at the core of what we do is we take physical collectibles, we tokenize them, so we vault, insure, and then tokenize them with all the required metadata for that NFT to be returned for the physical item. Once a physical collectible is tokenized, it's an NFT at this point. Uh, we lock it in smart contracts and we issue uh, fractional interest out of those smart contracts, and that's what's trading on dibs. Those fractional interests can be put together in a couple of unique ways and people can take back the entire asset. And that that's kind of like the core of the business. I mean, in terms of where we differentiate ourselves, uh, we're the only blockchain-based uh, business doing this. So we leverage tokenization in terms of title transfer and, and how we kind of manage our system. And the other side is that we're a two-sided marketplace in the fractional space. And I think to date, that's that's kind of the uh, the first one. I know you have a background. I know you used to be the uh, director of business development at Wax, right? Which is basically the, the second largest NFT marketplace in the world. What makes the fractionalization, the tokenization of these physical collectibles different from, say, buying a share? Yeah, a couple of things to unpack there. I mean, I can go into my background, uh, but in terms of like, let's just get down to like the, the nuts and bolts, right? Like what's different about it? Why, why does it matter, right? Like why, why is tokenization interesting, you know, versus shares, right? There's a handful of reasons, right? But for us, we really believe that a tokenization of physical assets, right, gives just an insane amount of utility on top of that. And, and maybe it doesn't seem as obvious at surface level. So we'll kind of go into that. But once, you know, an item's tokenized, right? Sure. Like we're happy to tokenize it. You can sell it on dibs, you know, fractionally and, and ultimately in whole, uh, in whole card or asset form. But ultimately, like we want to build all sorts of interesting utility on top of that. Like we want you to be able to take these items, bring them into whatever digital ecosystems you want, right? We want businesses to be able to build on top of dibs. We want you to be able to send in your own items, have them tokenized, brought into a digital world where you can showcase them, you know, collect, transact, whatever it may be that you want to do. And there's just this kind of like whole world evolving in that space, right? Versus, you know, a more walled, walled garden approach, which would be kind of like shares, right? Where you go to one site, you go there, that's the only place you can tr- transact. 
it's a little bit more uh, straightforward, maybe a little bit easier for people to understand at the you know beginning. But I do believe that you know long term, the tokenization of physical collectibles is just wildly interesting. I could definitely see like a utility behind it, right? You know, if you hold a certain number of tokens or a certain percentage of a collectible, maybe you can display it or something, or you could show it off. I don't know, but the the space is is so new, right? That we don't know what we don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's multi pronged, right? Like, there's the fact that you can take to all sorts of different marketplaces, you can transact in in different cryptocurrencies, you have access to a much wider audience, right? I mean, it, whether or not it's Dibs or, or another platform, right? There's still a lot of interesting things you can do just on that the kind of like buying and selling front. You know, take things a step further, right? From a community and access uh, standpoint, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface, like you had mentioned. Getting opportunities and, and different privileges within the application, and or you know, getting different NFTs and other things sent to you uh, that you can utilize in different ways. Access different communities, uh, ways that you can share these things in different ecosystems on social platforms that already exist uh, in a much more meaningful and you know, verified and authentic way, right? Uh, you know, Twitter and, and a lot of the social platforms. That blue check mark, right? Whether or not you like it, it, it does actually help do a pretty good job of authenticating who that human being is behind. The handle, right? Certainly when they're public figures. And, and I think, you know, in the physical world, we also have analogs uh, that are pretty interesting as well, right? You have PSA grading. And so you know, this thing is real, it's authentic, it's in this quality. And I think blending those two things and bringing them into a digital world is, is really important, especially with the, you know, the amount of time people are spending in their digital worlds, and their digital persona is becoming more and more valuable to them. Absolutely. I think that the tokenization of, of your platform, you know, the collectibles on your platform, and kind of this 24-7 trading on your platform as well has caught the attention of, of a lot of people. It's amazing that you guys have been around, like maybe officially, I guess, for a little over a year, but already uh, you guys have created a partnership with Amazon. Can you talk about this latest like Amazon investing in dibs? Because from what I understand, Amazon isn't really involved in the, in the trading card space. And so them investing in you guys is, is, is pretty big deal considering how huge they are. Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah, I'm sorry, I can't like go into like deal specifics and, and some of the kind of like behind, uh, you know, discussions that we've had, but like just broad strokes, right? I mean, it, it was great uh, to be able to align ourselves with somebody like Amazon. I think it's it's interesting on more fronts than probably meet the eye, right? I mean, obviously they're in a massive marketplace, huge e-commerce business, but they also have an incredible media empire, right? I mean, it's one of the most valuable media companies in the world with very few in the same kind of category. And I think they've got you know, interesting plans on that front as well. And I think there's just so many synergies about what we were trying to do with our business and kind of how they were viewing the space. But it was really cool to be, you know, one of or, or the first. I'm not not exactly sure. But uh, collectible and, and blockchain play uh, in the NFT space. So having them, you know, in our corner is, is obviously a, a big boat of confidence. And I think it's going to open up a lot of different avenues for us to explore together. You mentioned the media presence that Amazon has. You're right about that. Uh, I mean, are we talking about like a, a Dibs, uh, you know, a reality TV show? <laughs> uh, dibs reality TV show? Who knows, man? I, that's certainly nothing I've nothing I've actually thought about. But uh, <laughs> a day in the life of Dibs, that would be cool. You know, look, they've, they've got a lot of sports streaming properties. They've got Amazon Prime Video. They've got all sorts of things that they're working on. You know, I think integrated kind of simulcasting of, of different things is really an, an interesting play. Uh, you've got all sorts of fandom, right, that, that ties into media. It's almost kind of the genesis for a lot of fandom, right, certainly in this day and age. And so I think, you know, being able to kind of harness that and, and have real-time experiences can be very interesting. Again, you know, I don't, I don't speak for them and, and certainly wouldn't, wouldn't claim to, but they've definitely got an unbelievable audience there. I think, you know, they're looking at this space and, and others and, and just happy to be, uh, happy to be in the room. Yeah. And to be clear, because there's some headlines out there, to be clear, it's not an acquisition. 
right? You guys have not been acquired by Amazon. They've simply uh, invested in your platform. Yeah, correct. We, we don't want, we don't want to be acquired right now, man. We've, we've got big plans. We want to do a lot of interesting things. We felt like, uh, you know, taking an investment and, and trying to find really interesting ways of, of doing stuff together is the, the best path for the business. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the press releases you mentioned expanding a little bit more. I know today was a big day as well, expanding into Pokemon cards and magic cards and other uh, non-trading products. Could you maybe give us some insight into what those non-sports card products could be? Yeah, I mean, the timing couldn't be better on that front, right? We, we did our first Pokemon drop today, uh, did a PSA 10 Charizard first edition. This thing sold out pretty quickly. Got a couple of other Pokemon cards uh, in the hopper here. But I think, you know, just to speak to the broader kind of vertical expansion play, I think, you know, we want to be where fans are, right? And, and where people's passions are. And I think there's sports is such a massive beacon of, of, of all of that. But there's also just a ton of other areas, right? I think, you know, the Pokemon sports card collecting worlds, they, they certainly overlap, but they're also very, you know, distinct. And I think you, you can access just a much broader audience, especially when you start looking at the globe. You know, American sports are obviously, you know, global now and are becoming more and more global. But there's, there's things that are very particular to, to different geos. And, you know, we want to make sure that we can bring people what they want and make sure that we bridge that that kind of physical to digital gap and and bring fans and, and collectors alike the things that they they want to buy own and, and showcase and amazon's definitely a gateway for that uh, i would imagine right now you guys currently limited like if somebody say in south america or in africa or europe wants to use your platform could they not today no it's us only obviously something that we would love to uh would love to grow into you know a bunch of different countries. We have, I think we've we've got tens of thousands of uh, waitlist signups currently from all sorts of different countries, uh, largely Europe. Yeah, Latin. There's a fair amount. Um, parts of Asia as well. Australia disproportionately. Uh, Canada and Australia. So the interest is there, right? It's a matter of making sure that we we do it right, that we do it in a way that satisfies you know regulatory requirements, and everything else, and and that we're in a position to to, to really grow and, and do that. Uh, so I think. One step at a time. Absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine like America is so sports crazy, but I mean, it pales in comparison, right? To like Europe and soccer and, and really the whole globe and soccer. And then all these other sports, like emerging sports that have been popular around the globe forever. And they're just catching on now in the United States, like F1. I know that in other parts of the world, rugby is a big deal. Cricket, like you said, I mean, the, the possibilities are like almost endless, right? You can continue talking and, and expanding to different markets. Totally. Yeah. I mean, soccer is obviously a huge and kind of like obvious one. F1 is growing. I mean, rapidly here. I think it's been a big thing in a lot of other countries. And we did a Lewis Hamilton drop and it was sold out in minutes uh, last week. So, I mean, UFC, like, you know, there's all sorts of things that are really global. I think soccer is truly, even within the United States, a mass, like, I mean, you can look at any report, right? Soccer is one of the fastest growing verticals for collectibles on the planet. Things will emerge and and there's all types of fandom, right? It, it extends past sports. I mean, Pokemon's an obvious example where you get a global audience uh, for, you know, maybe they're not even interested in sports, right? And you start to bring people who are in different verticals and just making sure they have the right product in place that, that people are getting what they want and, and the, the platform supports these things in a meaningful way and not just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah, we'd be so interested in finding out like what kind of access to the the sports card other people around the world have very minimal very minimal okay yeah yeah it's super small percentage you know when you think about like sheer numbers right and the u.s just dominates that industry right now and it's just so much more accessible to u.s citizens so i think globally and, and instant collecting of cards is a really cool uh business proposition The second big news you guys came out with uh, last week was, I guess, an initiative called Sell with Dibs, where you give potential uh, users 
the opportunity to fractionalize their own cards on, on your marketplace. That's also really cool. I mean, are there any barriers there to entry? I mean, what kind of cards are we talking about you know, in terms of price range? Do the cards have to be graded? And how would someone go about doing that? Like, how would someone contact you and say, hey, I want to fractionalize my card on your platform? Great question. Uh, so yeah, in terms of limitations, like everything has to be graded. I think right now we're, we're focusing on cards that that we actually have, you know, existing markets for. So if we have a PSA 10 Charizard, if you have another PSA 10 Precision Charizard, that's a really easy, simple ad. We're looking at all sorts of things outside of, you know, current things we offer. And we just have to kind of evaluate those uh, right now. Ultimately, we want to kind of let that, that system kind of run itself and let people bring on whatever they want. So it's just kind of building towards that. But right now, it's all online. You can just go Go on the website and uh, go through the process, submit a form. A uh, team will be reaching out to you. It's all free uh, for the user. So no fees in terms of uh, storage, shipping, insurance, vaulting, all of that. And then we will go ahead and, and put that in your account. And then it's open for trading and you can kind of ride, ride that inflow, right? Of, of, of an athlete, a market, whatever, whatever it might be. Absolutely. In terms of the, the grading of the cards, I'm curious. Most of your cards are PSA. What are the grading companies? Are you limited to certain grading companies? Is there a preference? Yeah, I mean, so far it's been you know BGS and, and PSA. So back in Collectors Universe or PSA, they're they're grading entity. But yeah, I think you know uh, preference. I mean, for us, it's it's always been really simple to you know leverage the the PSA system, the one through ten system. It's very well recognized and, and understood. You know, certainly in the collecting world, it's a little bit easier to explain to people new to the hobby as well. But you know, I think I think we're relatively agnostic on that front. You know, and then as we step into other verticals, it, you know, obviously there's different authentication mechanisms and, and grading agencies that will need to be uh, to be established and or you know kind of found and worked with. Let's get into the, the platform because I find that the 24/7 trading is, is so interesting, right? It's almost like a like a, a real time stock market that just doesn't you know close. And so you can have, I, I would imagine, you have you know swings at all times of the day. Do do you find that on the marketplace, you know, let's say it's a, um, I don't know, a Steph Curry, right? And he goes off for 50 points one night or he breaks the record like he did the other night uh, for three points made that there, you know, that, that momentum, right? That, that news of him achieving something historic kind of creates a bounce in the price so that then you can have like these traders that are almost like day traders, right? Within the stock market. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's less day trading, I, I think, but you know, there's, there's certainly people who love to like buy and sell things, you know, based on like that week's games and, and, and try to kind of like play that angle. You know, it's, it's a bit of a dicey game, right? I mean, from a macro perspective, right? I mean, player performance, player achievements are kind of what drive this industry, right? I mean, Steph, obviously setting a three point record, you know, I think he's Steph's been the most traded card for the last couple of weeks. So most traded player on the platform. So yeah, I mean, it, it totally follows the moment, right? And it's a very, you know, living, breathing, organic marketplace where absolutely when things are in season, you're seeing trends of like, those are the higher volumes uh, in terms of people's activity, you know, time spent on the pages. So like, definitely we're seeing that, you know, I think it's, it's always existed, right? Even if you look at kind of like the traditional eBay and auction format of buying and selling cards, this is just kind of, you know, under a microscope, right? And, and kind of on, on stairs where you can watch it live. And, and really, you know, you reduce that shipping, that shipping step, all the kind of like, you know, potential fraud and other things that happen in, in between buying and selling a card. Um, and you make it very simple, you know, people definitely behave differently, right? And, and I think in a, in a really interesting way, right? They have this very, very real-time way of uh, interacting and, and capturing, you know, their kind of like fandom and insights in the players they love. I almost feel like having it open like 24-7 and, you know, that mirrors you you being on the, on the blockchain, right? It mirrors the, the crypto market, right? Where it never ends. You, you could buy 
Bitcoin or Ethereum, anything at any time, anytime you want. I wouldn't say that the, the crypto market is stable, but it definitely gives you like a, a good idea of what the price is, right? Because it's, it's going, you have way more data points, I guess. And it's so quick to react to the news that it doesn't have to wait for the market to open and it reacts instantly to, to whatever happens, right? So I, I really like that. I also like uh, on your platform, I'm just kind of looking at it, the, the reference you have to card ladder and being able to reference like, hey, you know, this card has an average of, of this over this many sales so that people can have a really good idea of, of exactly what price point they're investing in or what price point they're selling off at. Could you talk a little bit about the platform and, and, and how you've developed it for, for the users to kind of navigate and, and, and how they can benefit from it? Yeah. So, I mean, look, right. I mean, what we want to make is the simplest, easy and, and most transparent process. Right. And I think, you know, it's really crucial to be able to pull in external third party data, right. Where, you know, it's not just ours, like it's any registered sale that, you know, goes through their system that we're able to show people like, Hey, here's, here's kind of like what's going on. Right. And, you know, whether, whether you like it or not, right. Like this is the facts of, of what's going on in the industry and make sure that people are, you know, educated. Right. And, and for people who are maybe not, huge card, you know, buyers on, on eBay, right. That they have some semblance of, you know, what's going on in the world externally, uh, from dibs and, and, and can make the best decisions for themselves. So I think, you know, we've really tried to, to kind of emphasize that and, and make sure that, you know, we, you know, we've got different user experience and user interface, uh, tweaks that are obviously coming out and constantly evolving to, to really kind of streamline the process for people who are a new to the hobby and b for those that have been around for forever right and and they're very familiar right and you have to kind of cater to both but i think that you know it all kind of boils down to to making it the most fun kind of easy experience for for getting involved and, and participating in that marketplace and then you know the second piece is just uh making sure that they have as much data as possible and that they're as well informed as as you can make them right people obviously make their own their own decisions and and all of that but you know, we felt like it was important to showcase that data where possible. Yeah. Just curious, how many ways can you invest on in a platform? Like you can invest, can you invest in, a, in an individual card, right? Obviously you can buy a part of the card. Can you invest in, in a, all the athletes cards on your platform? And can you invest like on just even on a league? Like, Hey, I want to throw in a thousand dollars into all the NBA cards in your platform, just because I think the NBA is going to you know, it, it's going to go up or whatever the case might be. Um, how many different ways can you invest? Yeah. So right now, I mean, you know, and, and invest is a strong word, right? I think like, you know, people buy and, and sell for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, for in terms of, you know, transacting on the platform, there's kind of two primary ways of doing that, right? And there's individual cards, individual collectibles uh, as we expand. But that's, you know, I think a little bit more straightforward for, for the user, right? It's like, hey, if you want to buy this particular card, Here's the marketplace for that. But then what we did, you know, in addition to that is we created uh, player collections. So for, you know, we can use Steph Curry as an example. I think we have, you know, five to 10 of his cards, right, on the platform right now. You know, for people who just love Steph and want to buy a piece of all of Steph's stuff, right, they can, in fact, you know, take $100 and buy the Steph collection. And so they can just put, you know, we basically, it's a spot, spot marketplace. So we fill orders across uh, all those different cards. And you can, you know, buy a piece of every card of Steph's in the collection. We don't have the capability of doing it on the league level or anything like that yet. But it's an interesting idea. It's certainly technically simple um, from our perspective. It just, you know, it, it could be really interesting. I think we just got to be, you know, conscientious of, of uh, what that would do to the marketplace. And, and it's certainly something we've thought about, um, you know, broadening that from, you know, player to even like team, right? I mean, there's there's all sorts of kind of uh, ways to slice and dice that data. But when it's, you know, when you have it fractalized and, and you don't have it in different uh, formats, it's, it's really easy to create very interesting matrices of uh, being able to simplify that buying process across, you know, multiple things. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, uh, just the fact that you can 
you know, in, in one transaction, right? Go ahead and, and invest, you know, across five, six different cards. Uh, I think that idea is real cool. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, let's go back. Like I always usually start with the with the, the history of the company, the the why, right? Like why why trading cards, why fractionalization? And I alluded to it in the back, you know, you have a, a background in the blockchain working as as director of development for WAX. But really what I'm more interested in is why trading cards? Like what what was it about this industry and how you went about creating your company that said, you know what, I I gotta do this. I gotta I gotta try try my hand at this. Yeah. So I mean it's 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 a process of like the story will probably make a little bit more sense, but you know, was working at Wax, uh, was launching their blockchain, right? Brought in Tops as one of our early partners. Uh, you know, obviously collected a bunch of Tops cards growing up. So it was super cool being able to go back and forth to New York. Uh, they were really forward thinking in terms of, you know, being the first in that collectible space uh, to really materially go after the blockchain uh, side of things. And so we did their first NFT launches. Um, and in that process, I started getting back into cards. And, you know, I'd been in both myself and some of our core kind of like early engineers and, and team members uh, had been in the digital item trading space, even pre-blockchain, right? So like in-game in-game items and, and secondary markets around those. And then certainly early, very, very early NFT projects. And so we saw the technology, we realized that it would be extremely useful for a few things, right? You know, it's funny because today, you know, people kind of associate the, the technology like non-fungible tokens and, and, and that concept with you know, some of these like profile picture and JPEGs and, and kind of like this, this piece of art, right? But like underlying that those kind of like end user experiences, it's really interesting technology, right? And it's this decentralized kind of almost like a computer in and of itself that like you can actually really program some interesting stuff around, you know, title transfer and ownership. And we felt like, you know, I was diving back into cards and just watching the whole process, you know, and then ultimately having security deposit boxes and vaults and all these things. I was like, wait, 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 this, this doesn't need to be done like this. Like there is a much simpler way of doing this for a lot of, you know, for a lot of different use cases. And so cards, you know, were personal affinity, right? I mean, love them growing up. They're also just a very, very unique collectible in the sense of it's an extremely understood in, in kind of like liquid market, I would say, versus a lot of other collectibles like, you know, fine art and other things. Um, they have a very, you know, solid grading system and authentication system that's, you know, based on a numerical one through 10 system. Um, all this stuff is really appealing, uh, for a testing ground. Right. But I think, you know, ultimately where we wanted the company to go was to really bridge that, that, that physical digital divide and, and make a simple way for people to bring these things in, you know, to these new spaces that they're occupying on their phones and on their computers, you know, more often than they're interacting with people in real life. Right. And so I think at the core of, you know, the mission of the business and, and where we want to take it is, is, is in that direction. Right. And, and we kind of started with like the hardest thing, which is, you know, <laughs> decentralized fractional physical items. Right. But I think, you know, ultimately that can, that can even be simplified and, and take things into a non-fractional context and you send your whole collection in, you could have it digitized. And if you want to have it back, totally up to you. Right. Um, but there's so much things you can do with it in the interim. And if you want to fractionalize it and sell, you know, sell some of it and buy something else, like that's an option. If you want to do, you know, ultimately the platform be much more integrated with different social and community kind of environments, certainly with, uh, some more gamification and kind of fun things for people to participate and showcase this stuff in a, in a very different way. And so that was really important to us. I think, you know, where we started and the evolution of the business is our, our, our kind of, two separate things. I think cards is a really interesting testing ground, like I mentioned. And then ultimately, I think we can go in, in all sorts of directions with it. And I think, you know, that was was interesting to a lot of our, you know, investors, to our employees, uh, and to, uh, you know, Amazon and, and others. 
now that you've, you're, you're, you're in the weeds, right? You've, you've developed your, your company. Do you still have like a personal collection? Do you still have this, this passion for it? Are you still a collector? You find yourself or you, you feel yourself like you got to remove yourself since you're so you know, involved in the business of it? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually buy and sell cards much less often now. I think for a multitude of reasons. I mean, primarily just simply like my time is unbelievably <laughs> uh, disproportionately spent, you know, building this business and everything that comes with it, which has been, you know, the joy of my professional life. But I think in terms of me buying and selling cards, it's it's really decreased. There are things that I'll, I'll go seek out and, and try to go grab, but it, it has become fewer and far between. And, and I really, you know, I feel like for myself, staying impartial to a lot of it is important. If I was out there, not that I have the funds to even compete on the, the big collector stage at all, but you know, it, it just seems like you know I want to avoid that, I, and I want to kind of stay a little bit on the sidelines for some of it, and and really kind of focus on on building something that's interesting for the industry. So yes, I definitely have my own personal collection, but I would say it's it's decreased in terms of me being a part of uh, the kind of day to day you know, scouring eBay. For sure. Just so the audience knows, you have like a, a favorite card? Do you have a, a, anything that you PC? I'm a big Steph and, and Clay fan. So anything more, you know, I was living in the Bay Area for from high school onward. And so, and until recently I moved to LA. But yeah, I mean, anything Warriors, you have my attention. Definitely. Yeah, the Warriors rule down there in the Bay Area for sure. You know, you you created your company at the right moment. You captured that momentum and, and it's still still going. How different is it now? Like I'd say, I would say, you know, a year and change later, as opposed to when you first started, the momentum has changed, you know, that, that kind of that, that cool down is, is maybe beginning or it's just different. And also like, do you see that collectors or their collections are, are, you know, in some ways different? Are people looking more to sell or as opposed to buy? It's, it's all happened so fast. I mean, that's the one thing I'd say, like even this morning, we were having our, our company all hands and I was talking to my co-founder and, and, you know, it used to be him, me and a handful of people around a kitchen table, right. You know, and, and zoom, uh, he's in, he's in Europe, but, and now all of a sudden, you know, we fill up two full, you know, full gallery mode views on zoom, right. I think it's 40 plus people now and, and just seeing that evolution and, and seeing the kind of growth of, of so many of the folks that we brought in and, and ourselves to some degree has just been awesome. I mean, I feel like it's all like the momentum's just kind of always just been building and growing. I, I feel like it's more exciting today than it was the day we launched. Like it just keeps the whole thing just keeps getting more and more interesting. You get more and more, you know, resources and in, in, in humans around the table that can just do so many crazy cool things. And it, you know, it, watching that and being able to kind of take a step back and look at things from more strategic level has been fun, right? As opposed to being so in the weeds in the beginning, it was just, you know, two, three of us bootstrapping this thing for months and months and, you know, hoping we can figure it out. And then, you know, some people taking a chance on us on the investment front in uh, 2020. And then, you know, obviously that getting accelerated here this year. And it's been an incredible journey so far, man. And, and it feels like it's just getting started. You mentioned that your investors, you got some pretty big names. I mean, you got Amazon, but, you know, you also have Nat Turner and then you also have a legion of athletes, right? For some reason, the name that stands out to me, just because I respect his game from college and, and whatnot, was uh, Kevin Love. You know, as one of your investors, part of the, that investment group. What's it like to have these athletes as you know these early early investors in your company? Is that any different than you know than just having any other angel investors? Yeah, it, it is in many ways, and it isn't in some. Right at the end of the day, it's just it's it's human beings that give you the vote of confidence, believe in you, and and you know support that financially. But yeah, I mean, look, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say it was really cool. You know, I mean, I've been a big fan of, of a lot of these people for a long time, and like you know, to to have them as as partners on this is is super cool. And I think 
you know, one of the big kind of pushes for us in 2022 is to also start leveraging that a bit more, right? And, and you know, they, they have some really interesting collecting stories. They're genuinely passionate about the space. You know, they come from all sorts of walks of life, but, you know, been incredibly, uh, incredibly kind and, and, and fun to work with so far. And, you know, I think expect a, a fair amount of, of trying to engage them and, and mix them into, you know, content and, and events and all sorts of things uh, come 2022. I think we've been pretty, pretty mellow on it so far. And, and I think, you know, from both sides, there's a ton of interest in, in doing something, right? The space on, on multiple fronts is blowing up and, and they're a big, they're big fans of it. I mean, big collectors themselves, a lot of them. And so, yeah, look, I, it, it's super cool. And it's just an honor to like even have that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it, it opens up these other opportunities for everybody. What are the trends right now that you're that you're noticing? You know, we're in the middle of the basketball season. We're we're kind of ending the regular season for the NFL. But beyond that, right? Any any trends in the, the trading card space? I want to talk to you about Pokemon today. You guys, uh, those are your first three uh, drops. Your first three Pokemon drops, correct? Today? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple hours ago, I think did it about two hours ago. What was that decision like? I mean, I know that Pokemon had its had its moment, and then some would say that it's kind of crashed a little bit. But what's that decision behind you know going into these other markets beyond sports? It's just been so requested, right? I mean, you know, we we do a ton of user interviews and try to engage with our community in a bunch of different ways via you know Discord, direct messaging, all sorts of things, email, and just it's been a constant level of feedback of hey, we really like we wish we could get you know some access to Pokemon cards on here too. Like that would be that would be awesome. So. Give the people what they want. And I grew up in that era that was like right in the sweet spot of first edition Pokemon. So for me, it was cool too. And, and, you know, it's actually very easy for me to to relate to and, and to kind of bring to the table. But yeah, I mean, the decision was, all right, like we built this infrastructure, right? It works for sports cars. It absolutely can work for any sort of graded card and really for almost anything you can think of in the collectible space. So, you know, let's let's start to see what, what people want and, and, and give them that. Yeah, you know, you know what's crazy, and in terms of demand, you have more more PGA uh, cards than you have NHL cards, which I find kind of kind of interesting, right? Like that fourth major league in the United States, you know, that some would consider maybe the fifth behind MLS at this point. But I know, for example, NHL just is back on ESPN, right? And I I, I always thought that that might be a, a major mover for 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 the organization. Anything that that's come across your way, or, or you're not, or you just haven't had the opportunity to to, to put a, an NHL card on your on your platform. Yeah, it's funny. One of the guys who runs our uh, our kind of inventory squad is is probably going to be like, I told you. Yeah, and NHL is common. I've been lucky enough to we've had some offers to to sell some really cool stuff on our platform from people from the NHL. Uh, some really preeminent, awesome stuff. You know, some Gretzky stuff in there, Crosby, Ovechkin, some really cool cards that I would love to get out there. It's just been you know timing and, and making sure we do that at the right time. But you know, hockey season's obviously in full in full swing, so. Yeah, I'm sure once he hears this, uh, I'll, I'll be getting an email. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that and also, like you said, F1, right? F1 is, is, is something where you see it, right? You see the, the excitement behind it. You had that huge race in Austin. I know that they're going to be in Miami next year. There's, there's so much momentum there, right? And it's almost like you got to be careful, right, between spotting a fad from a trend, I wonder how much of that, how much of that thinking goes into into a company like yours. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's evolving, right? I think our thought process on is we have a, you know, we've got a data science team. We we look at a lot of things, but ultimately, right? Like we can't predict where the world's going, right? Like we can't always just say, okay, this is what it's going to be. And I think that's part of being a two sided marketplace is letting people determine that for themselves, right? So if you want to bring that onto the platform, you want to sell that that particular vertical, like 
by all means, right? Like I think, you know, in at some point in 2022, it's going to be very, very open and, and allow for a lot of different uh, verticals. I think, you know, when we look at it from our own, our own lens, I mean, F1 was again, a lot of community driven uh, responses. It was people on the platform being like, we want F1. And I think, you know, personally started watching the Netflix series a couple years back, uh, hadn't really thought deeply about F1 at all, you know, prior to that. So I can, I can thank Netflix for like reinvigorating, you know, my level of interest. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting sport, right? I actually think it works like whether or not it ends up being the best like card work, I have, you know, or, or a great card work. I, I, you know, I have no, uh, no, uh, no genie lamp here, but I think it's interesting, right? Because you have 20, 20 people, right? At the top level at any given point in time. And that may seem as a negative for some, but like in terms of, you know, what we see is the top, you know, the top 20 players in each sport are, tend to be the ones that people interact with the most on our platform. So when you look at F1, right, you even have that under a microscope where every single Formula One racer is actually pretty important to the overall scheme, right? They're they're relevant. And, you know, you don't get some defensive lineman, you know, who's drafted in the sixth round in a pack, right? You're actually, you know, you tend to get, um, and they have, they have multiple tiers to it all, right? But you, you do get somebody that a lot of people tend to like care about. And so I think from a global scale, it's also very interesting but even just U.S. alone, I think the, the the growth has been explosive. I don't know what to like attribute it all to, frankly. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it. But I have to assume that Netflix series helped. I think they've done a really good job of marketing them. The fact that this whole season came down to one race, and obviously there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of scrutiny around how that all ended and, and how Verstappen won, but it still was story worthy, right? And it's capturing a lot of people. And you know, you see these races and just like. It's such like a kind of a cool scene. Like it's become, you know, on my sports bucket list, like going to, to Monaco, like that would be a lot of fun. That's very high up there for me. I think unless something serious happens, I'll be at the next uh, F1 event in the U.S. Uh, just because I'd like to go to one. Yeah, that's totally cool, right? And and you're seeing these these jet engines, right, going across. And my, my counter argument is this, as it relates to sports cars, right? The U.S. has had its F1, it's, it's NASCAR. And like, if you talk about like leagues, like NASCAR was like number two at some point behind the NFL. I know it's kind of decreased a little bit. You know, you had that loyalty, like you had Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon. If you were a Jeff Gordon fan, right, you wouldn't be caught dead holding a Coke, right? You were a total Pepsi fan. The the fans behind every single driver was so loyal to their brands. You know, whatever sticker was on that car, they were out there buying it. And it just seems to me, and maybe, maybe I'm not aware the trading card space hasn't caught on. Like, yeah, you can get a couple cool Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt cards for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe a couple thousand dollars, but nothing like what you're seeing for, for, with Lewis Hamilton. Right. And so I, I'm wondering what is this F1, you know, phenomenon? Yeah. I mean, I like, I think, you know, you, me and, and, and a lot of other people were trying to figure that out. Right. Is, is what's really driving it. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody far more educated on the subject than me, but you know, as it pertains to like NASCAR and NHRA, but on NASCAR, right. I'm not like, Personally, I don't, I don't find myself watching a ton of NASCAR, but like, it's not lost on me that a huge portion of the country and the viewership, it certainly was off the charts, right? And, and the fan loyalty, the brand loyalty was insane, like you had mentioned. So I agree with you. Like, that seems like a missed opportunity, right? Because there's so many big collectors in those demos, right? I mean, I, I was just literally looking at a huge collection. Somebody was trying to get rid of a massive collection in, in South Carolina. I actually flew out there when I was in Florida before I came home and so much nascar unopened wax that he had and i was like this has got to be interesting or cool and like doing a little research like the value isn't there isn't a ton of value there for right now and and i don't 
I don't know why. And, and I couldn't point, point at it. Maybe it just, you know, maybe it was on the card, the, the manufacturers themselves, not really marketing or branding it correctly or, or pushing to the right audience. I have no idea, man. You, you probably know more than I do. Yeah. Uh, the, the NASCAR phenomenon is, is awesome. You know, it obviously has roots in the South and, you know, and kind of, you know, this, this whole idea of moonshining, you know, and, and kind of take, taking the, 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 the back roads and, and using these race, these, these race cars essentially to, to take whiskey across state lines. So it's got that kind of that story, that, that, that legend behind it, but it's almost like it's been, um, you know, maybe a regional thing. I don't know, even though, even though you have NASCAR tracks all over the country and, and so relating it back to F1, I just wonder, you know, maybe, and you know, maybe F1 is just, just happens to be able to market itself better and in a more glamorous way, right? It's like the most like elite sport ever, right? I mean, you can't just like go get an at like a, a, an F1 car. Not that you can go buy a NASCAR either, right? But like, it's like the billionaires who's who, you know, in attendance, the global kind of like movers and shakers that are, you know, back in a lot of these orgs. And it just is such a glamorous sport and, and you know, at least the way they've marketed. And I think they did an excellent job again with their series they launched in the U.S., uh, kind of broadening their 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 scope here and and just like I think it kind of gives everybody that like oh man like this fancy kind of like international vibe and again it's hard for me to understand why in the U.S. at least the U.S. card market why NASCAR didn't pick up more and in, in retrospect now that we're talking about it because F1 clearly is taking off um, and it doesn't seem like you know the U.S. really doesn't have many participants as far as drivers are concerned or teams and and all of that right I mean we're really kind of on the sidelines in many respects. I don't know. On your end, you know, if, if that demand's there, right, you, you have you have to meet it. You know, Lewis Hamilton seems to be the uh, the torchbearer right now. I kind of want to, you know, go back, you know, just to respect your time. Going back to like uh, the platform and, you know, for any any anybody that, that wants to check out dibs and, and has maybe these sports cards that they want to see how they, they, they stack up right to what you have online. What kind of trading is involved, right? Because I, I saw like a, like some buying and trading and I saw like a very, very minimal buy-in, like where somebody was buying like, like six tenths of a percent or something like that. Is there a minimum or a maximum on you on the transaction? Don't you have to have a certain minimum so that there's a, I guess, a transaction fee that you guys have to recoup? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, we we don't really have to have a minimum. I think you know, for us right now, I think on the buy side, the minimum is one dollar, and then on the sell mm-hmm. side, I think we there's exceptions because if if you have less than a dollar, like we're not gonna like hold your hold your money, right? So if you want to sell into an order that's there, like you can definitely partially fill. So yeah, I think, you know, you can do as little or as much as you want, right? It goes down to a dollar. I mean, the whole kind of concept there was we wanted to make this accessible for for anyone, right? Anybody who's, you know, 18 in the US uh, for right now, but but ultimately we want, like, if you look at like, you know, golden auctions, and these things, like they run incredible auctions, right? But like how many people can truly participate meaningfully in a lot of them, right? And I think, you know, when you look at different, uh, different groups of people and people certainly that are new to the space, right? Like getting your toes wet um, with a few dollars is a much, a much different ask than putting $10,000 into a, you know, a single purchase allows people to buy into a bunch of different things too, right? So they can, they can really check out a bunch, learn more about the industry. Like we really do think it's a great gateway to get people into the hobby. And certainly, you know, the younger generations that, that haven't been to card shows and certainly the ones in the last couple of years that like, you know, learned about the hobby, but haven't actually been able to like join in a meaningful way, right? I mean, you know, we were at the national, and tons of people were there, right? Regardless of of some of the COVID concerns, which is which is interesting to see too, right? Like, you know, it's not the youngest group, right? It's not a, it's it's a lot of people from all kind of walks of life. But yeah, I mean, we really wanted to make sure that you know you can grab your phone and and if you have some sort of insight or something you want to do, you can act on it. 
you don't have to have, you know, a billion dollar budget or a million dollar budget or a thousand dollar budget for that matter. And, and you can get involved and start to like participate. And so that was really, really important to us. What do you see with the industry? Obviously, you see it growing. To me, if a company like Amazon is, is investing in dibs, right? That means that these the higher powers know what they're doing, right? They see a bright future for for the industry. Do you share the same thing? And, and I mean, are you are you one hundred percent bullish, or are there some things that you you've kind of seen now that you've been in, in the business for 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 a couple of years now that you know that that makes me think twice? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's going to grow. I, I really, truly, in my bones, believe that. I think there's a lot of smarter people than myself that have come to the same conclusion and and have financially put their money where their mouth is too, right? Um, making those investments and, and spending the time to to care about it, right? And I think, you know, from it being, it's never, I would call it a cottage industry a few years ago, it's just not the case. But I think, I think it's going to expand rapidly. I think it's going to become a much more quintessential far, part of, of, of being a fan of whatever it may be. I mean, NFTs have kind of accelerated that in different, in different walks of life, you know, for better or worse, right? And when we, you know, if we want to talk about cards specifically, there's something really special about that, right? When you look at the digital stuff and this evolution, right? There's going to be a lot more misses there, right? It's it's going to be a lot of a lot of things that are nonsense, right? Or or go to zero very quickly, and and there isn't you know much interest and value after you know a very quick period of time. Where I think you know cards, we're looking at a hundred plus years of value there and of passion and and people who care about these things, right? And so I think the physical stuff is is always going to be interesting. To people, you know, you're seeing this rise amongst the physical collectibles in, in more than just cards, and I think cards are, are only going to grow. I mean, fanatics coming in and the valuations amount of money they're bringing into the space is is really interesting to see, right? And and I don't know what their plans are. I don't know them personally, but I think it points in the direction of they're going to be working with the players, the leagues, to bring this stuff to a lot more people. And and I think if you take a step back and, you know, like obviously people have affinity for the brands that are producing things today and that they're used to collecting, but like, it's good to get new blood every once in a while. Right. And I think it's great to get new ideas and new concepts into that space. And I think, you know, you're starting to see that. I think people are taking it extremely seriously. So my fear about the whole industry isn't so much about where holistically that it's going in the right direction, like in terms of like it's growing, but like individually, you know, when you look at different particular verticals and sectors, like, yeah, there's cause for concern, right? I mean, the amount of money that we're being put on modern young players that it just like, if you look, if you look at it, right, I don't have to like explain to you, it's just, it was kind of crazy to see, right? If you juxtaposed it to a legitimate Hall of Famer, um, clearly lower pops, right? And all these other things. And the, the, you know, the price differentials there were just kind of inexplicable as far as I was concerned. But, you know, that happens in, in all sorts of markets, right? You know, things heat up and, and people get overzealous. And, and unfortunately, you know, I, I'm sure there will be cases of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that as the industry grows and as people get interested, and I, I don't know if this is any a part of any of these, you know, mega deals being being constructed, but to your point, I think, I think the education, right? Like, like, and, and I, I was joking, I guess a little bit when I, when I mentioned like, like a dibs reality TV show, but if you do it right, right, like following your team, following you doing certain acquisitions, if you're a potential buyer, right, let's say collector, you can learn a lot from somebody who's in the industry, right? You guys are doing this day and night, right? Like this is your job now. I just think things like that are, are, are important, right? Where you're not just necessarily glamorizing everything and saying, hey, you know, I bought this for a million, sold it for two million, easy money. Because, you know, the reality is, well, you know, I can't buy the million dollar card and, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flip it for two million dollars, you know, a year later. And, and you're right, like people might legitimately be putting in their money in the, in the wrong place, right? Yeah, I don't like the easy money mentality. Look, 
it can work in short glimpses of time for people in different places, crypto, you know, for instance, and other things. It's important to buy what you like, what you care about, what you believe in, what you want to be a part of, right? And yeah, the idea of just getting in and trying to make a million dollars off flipping, like, you know, look, maybe some people have done it. You never know, like, believe half of what you hear and, and, you know, half what you see and none of what you hear, right? But yeah, you know, I hope, right? My my hope, and and I and I know that a lot of this is going on now through conversations. Is like there's going to be a lot more content and media strategy around the space, right? Like you're going to see series around this soon. Like this will be, I can with almost complete certainty tell you that there will be series around this. So you'll see Netflix or whoever it may be, the big players in the space. Like they're gonna they're taking this seriously, right? People care about this. Like it's you know, and I hope that we create content and like that the space it starts to grow in the direction that like it is more informative and less about these stories, right? Like, of course the stories are like captivating and eye catching and all that. But like, I really hope, you know, it, it brings in, you know, more fans through, through really cool storytelling and, and higher quality, you know, content and, 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 and production around it. Cause there's so much cool shit, right? There's just so much that you can talk about and so many things are going to happen. And so I think there's a lot of cool storylines and, and those are going to get, you're going to see that stuff come out in the next year or two. I don't know if you felt this way. I mean, there's been a handful of times where I've seen certain cards, right? Even within my collection, right? Where I get something and I, I bought it for 150 bucks, let's say, or 200 bucks. And I open the card and I almost get my, my breath gets taken away. I'm like, I own this, you know? And, and it's, it's kind of like a special, special hobby, special industry. Our time is basically up here. I don't want to take up more of your time. Is there anything else that you want to add? Like what's next for dibs? What's next? Are you, are you going to this? Uh, I know that the big industry uh, event is going to be the, the Mint Collective in Vegas. Are you going to go to that? Yeah, look, we're gonna we're definitely gonna get way more involved on the event scene, right? This year, you know, last year we were loosely, or, you know, minimally involved and really just kind of heads down building technology. But like, we we feel like we owe it to the whole space to be more involved to 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 bring people up to speed on what we're doing, but like also to support the hobby as a whole. So yeah, we'll be at the Mint Collective in Vegas. Uh, I was actually just chatting with them yesterday in person. Uh, the guys running it. And so we'll be there. Um, we'll definitely be at the national. You know, we want to to start. And I think like there's a there's a consortia, you know, businesses like our own, right, that are emerging in the space that like we want to create some cool, fun events, right? Like, I was in New York for NFT.NYC, and like, holy shit, man! Like that is like hate NFTs all you want, all that sort of like it doesn't matter. Like the energy was real, right? And like people love connecting over things they care about. Like this is no like like it's no different, right? Card card shows and card conferences are really, you know, they're big, they're big events. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're there to kind of support that and bring it into, you know, this kind of new age and, and make sure we, we foster that well. So you can definitely count on, on seeing us at, at, at a lot of the big events this year and, and, you know, being a sponsor and, and certainly, you know, having a presence and, and trying to make sure we get back to the community too and, and hosting events and, and trying to bring cool, cool things to people's plate. Hopefully we'll do something interesting for the, for the Super Bowl for folks that are in town and, and, and try to fly some folks out as well. Awesome. Evan, it was great talking to you. It was great finding out more about dibs. It looks like the future's pretty bright. Yeah, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, dude, keep, keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too.